The Homan beacon reaches out beyond the landlocked knots. The compass points to true north, but my overheated engine is hot. Will this unsure journey sink my ship? Its light scans the ocean and there I sit. In an open body of blue, I am exposed in it. How long will it be before rust eats my boat's floor? The more I run, the more I want to go home. I belong there where the beacon homes. Have I found my resting place? Safe haven it gives me, comforted it leaves me. Oh, please believe me, it has a toe. I get pulled ashore and rest easy on the sand. The waves stroke my hand and I know things will be okay. I found my way and the beacon guided me in. That was Ramona D. Pina of the Book Baby Sales team with a reading of her poem, Beacon, from her collection, Albatross, available on Amazon now. She's participating this month in Napo Remo, that's National Poetry Writing Month, where you're supposed to write 30 poems, one each day for the month of April. So we're celebrating poetry here on the Book Baby Spotlight podcast. As always, this is your home for interviews with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. I'm your host, Sam Sedan, and joining me is Chad Hinson. Chad, I'm a bit shy of my 30. Yeah, me too. Ramona is putting us to shame. She's actually completing uh, Napo Remo in English and Spanish. So she's got 60 poems to do. Uh, but you write a lot of music, though, right? Yeah, so whenever I'm in the environment where, you know, it's more conducive for poetry, I usually just take one of my songs and do an acapella version of them. So I guess technically, yes and no. Yeah, you mentioned you were doing some work with Honeycomb Poetics. Can you tell me what that's about? Yeah, so Honeycomb Poetics is a nonprofit that I work with. Um, The purpose of Honeycomb Poetics is to provide an opportunity for the youth to express themselves and work towards success through poetry. And so we, we put on a a Zoom assembly for a Camden Promise School. And we just did some poetry, answered any questions, did a few icebreaker activities. It was really fun. That's awesome. Where can listeners learn more? You can visit their website, honeycombpoetics.com. You can find you know any events that they've done and any poetry that they've done. But what about you? Are you writing any poetry? Occasionally, but mostly just reading now. I had a great poetry writing course back in college, but I always had difficulty with the exacting forms. You know, I don't want to count stressed and unstressed syllables. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to take a poetry class. The point to me is expression and emotion. So yeah, like Robin Williams says in Dead Poet Society, medicine, business, law, all necessary to sustain life, but poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. So I asked our first guest, uh, Christina Lee, about keeping to specific forms. She's a Toronto-based poet and her first collection is called Green Space. It just came out this month from Book Baby. I do mostly free verse. In in high school, I did experiment with some of those more structured forms like Shakespeare and things like that. But Shakespeare at the same time also invented a whole bunch of words. And so I think being sort of free and open with the rules that we are told to play within is, is fun for me. So I don't use punctuation that much or capitals in this book. But in my real life, when I'm like texting friends, if I miss a capital, it sets me on edge. So it, this is sort of like a very different side of me where I just forego rules and um, just explore different things. And poetry falls under kind of a weird aspect when it comes to editing. You know, it'd be strange to point out grammatical errors, uh, yeah. but there can still be development needed if an idea isn't clear or, or maybe an off word choice. So yeah. what about editing? Did, did you purchase editing services or have someone edit it for you? I looked into it. I did not opt to do that for this this one 
I did look into it and I spoke to another poet who had editorial services. And I, because this was my first collection, I kind of want it to remain as purely me as possible, even if that means that there are some areas that could have could have done with a bit more development. I still think that it was important to capture this part of my style and what I was going through. And I did edit heavily, but it was all still from my my influence rather than from someone else's. How did you find Book Baby and why did you choose to publish with us? You said there was a traditional publishing option for you? Uh, not not necessarily for this book, but I, ch- I chose Book Baby for this for this project. I, I found a video from another poet who published her collection via Book Baby. She did her own self-publishing with a different company, I believe, and then switched over to Book Baby and expressed how easy and simple it was. And so for me, the the draw was the print on demand option, which I thought was perfect for what I wanted. And I also wanted to experience sort of the whole creation process of finding a an artist to do the cover, being involved in all of the like the typesetting, all the minor details that I guess some people might not think about goes into creating a book. And I, I sort of wanted to learn about that. So Chad, apparently social media has had a huge impact on the increase of book sales. Can you tell me a little bit more about why that is? Yeah, so poetry has become so popular on Instagram that there's a new genre of poets that they call Instagram poets. And what I thought was interesting was that this poetry has taken on a newer form, often much shorter than what a regular poem might be. And they're typically coupled with imagery. So some advice for people who have published a poetry book or planning to publish a poetry book is that people have become a lot more visual and they need to see your book a lot more times for it to be popularized. I mean, and the numbers prove it. Since the advent of Instagram poets, poetry book sales have doubled and at least half of the top 20 poetry books being sold are by Instagram poets. Wow, yeah, great stuff. I could definitely see an Instagram campaign worked around consecutive stanzas for Christina's poem. She has a ton of great imagery in there. She was kind enough to read her piece Bean Sprout for us. Here's the audio of that. Yes, I've grown. Taller, sure. Wider, of course. Yes, you could say I've grown. But maybe I'm a bean sprout, pale and flimsy, without leaves, growing endlessly in the dark. I know this is not where I'm meant to be, but part of me feels too old, too stuck, to relearn and learn from my mistakes. I'm too comfortable to grow through the pains all over again. Yes, I've grown complacent at the top, and cutting me back down to size is a 27-foot drop. But as my dad would say, pruning only helps a plant grow. You can't be strong unless you're pushing back against something that is trying to crush you. There comes a point where you can't point the blame at anyone but yourself. I'm a coward. I'm well aware. Can't blame this on a missing heart. I'm untested, too scared to seek out something that might crush my fragile spine. Just a sad little bean sprout hiding in the dark because my skin, it's pale. And at first touch, the sun is going to burn. I'm sick of living in the dark. I'm sick of pretending like I've grown when all I've done is stretch myself thin. I see you, son. Here are my yellow hands. Turn them into green leaves or thin bristles or maidenhair fans. Here's my fragile spine. Break it and rebuild it until it is hardened wood. Reveal to me what kind of tree I am. Here, I'm just a bean sprout. Shine on me, son, and show me how much it hurts to grow in the light. Your other guests use some similar imagery, right? Very nature-centric. 
Yeah, for sure. So Patricia Volman Stock is also a book baby poet and her collection is called Raindrops. Here she is talking about her work. I really like to write meaningful poems. I'm not so much into the sort of rhyming poems, although there are a couple included in my book, which are the earlier poems that I have written, but I'm very inspired by uh, writing poems to do with creation and nature and things along that line. So for this this book, I started actually writing it pre-pandemic, <laughs> and then it just sort of blossomed from there. So um, the only thing that we were able to do is sort of go outside and go for walks and connect with nature. And what I came to realize is that there's so much beauty outside that I would study animals and um, I'd spend a lot of time down at our local dike um, watching herons and squirrels and birds. And I took a lot of inspiration from my poetry, for my poetry, by um, looking at things in nature. It seems like you set that a lot to a, a spiritual connection as well. Yes, definitely. I was involved in the Anglican Church. Um, I was a postulant to become a deacon um, here at our in one of the local congregations. And so I felt that I did a lot of work with the homeless or houselessness, I guess is the correct term. Um, and I found that poetry was a real way to connect with people um, because they really liked the, the calming aspect of poetry. This book feels very familiar. You made a Facebook ad for it. <laughs> it's a great news. She loved it. Uh, she purchased design, metadata, optimization, and a Facebook ad from Book Baby, and she was happy with all of them. So I worked with the designers, and it was really such a, a fantastic process because they came up with the initial design, and I didn't really like the font. It didn't really sort of, to me, sort of state what I wanted to say. So. They were excellent in changing everything to what I wanted, um, using all the color, incorporating all the colors that I wanted, because I wanted raindrops to be, um, you know, very earth tone, very nature looking. So I wanted there to be raindrops on it, but I didn't want it to be something that looked sort of juvenile. Mm -hmm. So I really love how they came up with doing the gray rain against the blue backdrop and the handout that um, ha is catching the raindrops. So to me, it just, it really just captured the, the true feelings of what I wanted to sort of have people feel um, the, the raindrops or feel the poetry. So I was very, very pleased. That's great. That's what we go for. Uh, so what about uh, Facebook advertising? Uh, so you did an ad with us. I think it's still running actually. So what, uh, what was your experience like doing that? It was very good. The, the page that they created is gorgeous. I guess if, if I can say my, I guess my only sort of um, not really complaint, but maybe comment is it's not appearing anywhere in Canada. It's only on, it's only being just, you know, sort of um, targeted throughout the United States, which is, is great. And I'm sure that book babies probably, I know they have a lot of Canadian authors is probably maybe looking at ways to sort of do that more, incorporating more advertising in Canada. Yeah, that's no problem at all. We could actually, uh, 
yeah, we, we default uh, to uh, the U.S. audience because we are a U.S.-based company. Um, right. But yeah, we, we can direct ads anywhere. That, that really is just a matter of changing a few settings in Facebook. Excellent. Yes. So I was happy that they were advertising the way they were because to, to get noticed as, as a you know, fairly new Canadian poet, it's good to advertise in the U.S. because it's a huge market. And, um, you know, if, if I may, like the, the shipping costs are cheaper for people mm-hmm. to order a book from Book Baby in the U.S., than it is in Canada. So I really like the idea that it's being advertised there. And then once I feel once I've sort of, you know, got ingratiated into the hearts of people in the US, it's much easier to get more exposure in Canada. I wish I had known about Canada for her ad. I know we should talk to her about running some ads in different marketplaces. But leaving poetry aside for a minute, April's also Autism Awareness Month, and I wanted to catch up with book baby author Brad Eck. His book, Specialisms, Autism Perspective, is arriving this month. It tells the story of his family, and especially his son Daniel, who was diagnosed with high-functioning autism as a child. Brad's book weaves together different perspectives, including Daniel's, to tell a compelling story of hope. And here he is, talking about that format. Getting the thoughts and the considerations from my daughter, who was the major contributor, as well as her brother and Daniel himself. Uh, Throughout the book, grandma and grandpa were in there. Getting all of those perspectives from the different stories uh, did a couple things. Number one, it validated the accuracy of the story. That was a good thing, of course, to have because our memories are all different. But getting their perspectives on how they saw this, just it, it helps reach an audience that might have a different perspective than myself. And I know that I think pretty substantially different than most people. So getting a more common perspective is a good thing. I think validating the memory is an interesting term. Uh, I'm reading a memoir called Educated by Tara Westover at the moment. She has several footnotes throughout where she explains that the scene was recreated from a few conflicting memories. Somebody else uh, chimes in on some context she didn't know about and occasionally finding that friends and family didn't even remember something that she considered (laughs) seminal. Uh, Did you run into anything like that? And if so, how do you resolve that as a writer? Many of the stories, I leaned on the perspectives more than my own memory, just for various different reasons. But I know with my daughter, because she gave so much input into the book, uh, she and I actually had long conversations going over the memories and different things. Uh, And then she would turn around and rewrite her perspective on it. And uh, we just made sure that the details aligned. And if they didn't, we kind of talked through them and worked through to make sure that the story made sense. Uh, so this question was going to be directed to Daniel, but it sounds like he's not interested in coming on at this minute. But uh, did you have any prompts that you gave him to respond to? How, how did he decide what he wanted to write? Uh, yeah, that was really late in the book. It was after editing. Um, my editor had suggested that we actually get Daniel, if possible, into a couple of the books. So some of the some of the deeper stories, you know, those are things that are personal and and hard to touch, especially for someone who's gone through what he's gone through. Uh, but some of the lighthearted stories, like the uh, the candy wrapper story and things, those were those were lighthearted ones that he could jump in and remember and laugh. I remember him, uh, me asking him about whether or not he would talk about that story. He just laughed, uh, you know, in the room with me over the story. And we talked about some of the details and and, uh, worked through it for his perspective. 
did you, uh, was there anything that he didn't want you to share that uh, you felt you had to leave out because it was too personal or embarrassing? Nothing that he specifically said. There are a couple stories that I have purposefully left out just because they're too private. Uh, some things that, that didn't necessarily add value to the book that I thought would be there. But I think from, from Daniel's perspective, you know, it's interesting because when I finally got the book in hand, I gave him the first copy. He sent me a text a week later. He said, I hope you don't mind, but I gave it to a friend of mine because I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> so uh, he hasn't even really just taken the time to sit down and read it because the memories are tough. There, it, it was a tough life. And he also told me about what his goals were for publishing. And again, my, my goal in writing the book, it's great to have a book. It's great to be an author. But it's not necessarily to sell the book. My goal is to get the message out that there's hope. And so now I'm in that, I guess you could say, difficult place of what's next, right? We published the book. It's being distributed. It's getting out there. And of course, I can market the heck out of the book. But really, it's less about marketing the book and marketing. What I want to do is market the story and talk to people. And I think that's where being on your on your podcast is a great example of really what I want to do with this is, is talk to people and share with them the hope that there is in raising a child and getting through this, that that there is hope at the end. And I can tell you that there were times in the middle of this, we did not have hope. You can check out Brad X books, Specialisms on Bookshop, as well as Christina Lee's Green Space and Patricia Volman's Stocks Raindrops. That's store.bookbaby.com. Thanks to all of our guests for their time. And if you want to join them and publish your poetry or any genre, Book Baby's eager to hear from you. We're available at 877-961-6878, and our phone support is now open late. That's Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be back next month with another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight. Playing us out today is going to be Patricia with her perfectly timed poem, Springtide. Stay safe, everyone. Springtide, the renewal of life. God's creation is animated in a myriad of hue. Nature awakens its sleep-filled eyes of dew. Trees start to deliciously stretch towards the celestial sphere. Sprouting seeds, animals drawing near. The sunshine tenderly wraps us in warmth and light. Roots anchoring down with all their might. Water, sun, and soil. The holy trinity of spring the first stage of life that creation and creator bring, the season of joy and change to begin, to grow above, below, within. The chilled star nights, the delights of frost, and joys, the showers, the landscape glossed, blossoms, buds, and heavenly scents, God's watercolor enchantments, cherished aspirations become unclouded, Renewed, reconciled, now undoubted.